Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line. Hi, this is Deborah Butler, and thanks for joining me for People Know Stuff. And today I'm really excited to have Milton Crane with me. Milton is 93, and he knows stuff about thriving in your 90s. So I've asked Milton to share with us what he knows about that. More and more people are living into their 90s, but we're specifically talking about, you know, what's it like to be in your 90s (laughs) and still feeling great? And just share what you know about that, Milton. Yeah, I'm glad to. I think First, I want to give thanks to my parents for giving me some very good genes. That's right. That's and, right. Uh, they were lived to be 89 and 92. And um, I am blessed also because I have a 98-year-old brother in Boston with whom I have a weekly telephone call. I just got off the phone with him. Okay. And a 96-year-old sister. So, um so the cranes know, know the cranes know a lot about thriving into their nineties, don't they? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And uh I'm really thrilled when I realize that I can still do these things that really um energize me. Um I still drive in ninety-three and uh just celebrated a seventy year anniversary with my wife and um I think I also need to give credit to the fact that I've I've been blessed with having some very good doctors, physical therapists, and so on, who have led the way for me as well. Yeah, I think that's an important point because medical care is a big part of thriving, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I think the advice that I've always gotten is keep on moving and keep doing the things that energize you and uh, and so on. And, for example, I think that it all boils down maybe with three areas that we have to deal with. Number one is keeping your brain very, very active with brain exercises and so on. And uh, I've been fortunate because I've been part of a um, book club that we've had for 43 years. Wow. I've had a writing group for about 12 years. Uh, I've been involved with Ollie, which is lifelong learning. Uh, I worked until I was 75. I loved what I was doing. But then when I retired, I think I got involved in so many things um, that really got me even more energized. Um, I love to get juices when I'm involved with other people. Organization is very, very important for me. Yeah. You know, try to arrange uh, lunches with interesting people. We have a men's group which meets daily on Zoom just to discuss things and just to keep uh, your mind going. Now, this is every single day. Monday through Friday. I have a a friend who has organized uh, uh, a video with uh, a Zoom conference every day, Monday through Friday at three o'clock. And you can choose to get on. There might be a list of about 70 men who are part of this. And uh, 
it's just a way of uh, uh, keeping abreast of what's going on, if you have something on your mind. And then we also see a um, um, uh, one of these learning exercises also. And um, it might be dealing with the Impressionists, or it might be dealing with the history of the Second World War, and so on. And so we watch something for a while and then discuss it. And every day from three to about quarter past four, unfortunately, I can't do it every day. Right. I am available. I love to do it. Um, Is there someone who takes responsibility for that group? And, and Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been going on for a long time. Before the pandemic, we would meet at his home and we would see a couple of videos and and so on, and uh, there are a lot of learning experiences that you can get involved with. But then it gets into just a discussion, what's on everyone's mind, and so on. And it's just a way of being connected with other people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I am also very fortunate because I uh, have been involved in uh, an ensemble, an acting ensemble, and memorizing lines is really a task. And then then in my writing group, writing your memoirs and so on, um, that's a challenge as well. And trying to write a play and realizing that all the action is done with conversation and all these things are challenging. And it uh, it just creates something that's very, very interesting for me. I've been fortunate enough also, I've been involved in a couple of TV programs, uh, Lodge 49 and Wonder Years, when they need somebody who is non-American and my age, I've gotten some roles in that respect. And that's challenging too. Yeah. So it uh, sounds like one of the things you're saying is um, it's important to kind of challenge yourself that that's one of the things you've it almost sounds like it comes very easily to you do you struggle with it at all um fortunately i think it is very easy for me uh you know i meditate every day for at least 20 minutes in the morning to get my day going and i like to visualize things my grandson when he was about three years old woke up from a dream and he said i just had a movie in my head and so I envision just sitting back, going to this movie in my head. Don't have to buy popcorn. No one's sitting in front of you with a big hat. And um, I get on and I start writing, composing, and uh, just letting it all happen. You know, I, I want to say something there because um, the things that you mentioned up until the movie sound like things that are very much in the territory of an extrovert. And not everyone is an extrovert. You've just said about dreaming, um, being very intentional about just dreaming is something anyone could do. And um, so I, I like that. It sounds like a really easy thing to do. Just close your eyes and create a dream mm-hmm. for 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. because a lot of times when people hear meditation, they it's they feel like I don't know how to do that, but you know people know how to daydream. Um, when you're a kid, you get called out for it, but when you're fifty-three, it helps you to stay to thrive. Um, so I, I love that. 
Well, you know, um, going back to the 70s, for example, uh, transcendental meditation became a big thing. And I remember going with my wife to Phipps Plaza, and they had a session. You spent a weekend learning how to meditate. You were given a mantra. I have never told anyone what my mantra is. I still still use the the same one, but there was a whole method of doing it and getting your body in a physical position and so on and uh, everything quiet. It's It's a whole procedure and you just sink to another level and, uh, if other thoughts get into your mind and you want to escape, you just get back to your mantra. And you can control very, very much, but you feel yourself sinking down to another level. Right. And uh, it's wonderful. And then in 20 minutes or 25 minutes, you will you just wake up and you feel refreshed and more focused. Yeah. And I like to do this when I get up in the morning. And uh, I have a furry old bathrobe that I put myself into and make myself very, very comfortable and just get into my position and then I'm gone for a while. Well, you have a lot of routines that you engage in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, physical also, because that's another area that has to be activated within your body as well. And uh, I know... I guess when I was about 30, 35, before there was any running, uh, they started a program of how to run. And this was before there were any shoes. It was sponsored by the Jewish Community Center. And they hired this Bob Chisholm. And I became part of that group. We met every Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday at 6.30 in the morning. And this was in Brookwood Hills. And we had a whole routine of stretching and so on. And when you could actually walk and talk at the same time, you felt that you were accomplishing something. And we didn't know what we were doing. We had no running shoes. There was no running equipment. Uh, We ran, I ran, for example, in Converse track shoes, in tennis shorts. And it wasn't until a few years later where they actually produced some running shoes. And everything took off in that syndrome. And so we were part of one of the first Peachtree Road races way back. And uh, we swam in the morning and we stretched and we kept records of how we're doing weight-wise and so on. And then when the first Peachtree came about, I think that was probably in 69 or 70, we were all part of that. And ran for years and years. And I think that's what probably put me in very, got me in very good shape. And uh, it was the kind of group that would, uh, if you missed a Monday, everybody wanted to know where were you Monday, we would end the whole thing by going to the pancake house next door. But breakfast was limited to a piece of dry rye toast and a poached egg. And a cup of coffee. Okay. And then we all went our way and we went to business and so on. And I remember going to New York at that time on business. And uh, this coach, Bob, said, you want to go into Central Park, you know, and make sure you put a dime in your shoe for a telephone call and a business card because you never know what happens. And I remember (laughs) putting on a pair of shorts, walking out of the hotel, and people were looking at me. I was a weirdo. 
And then going into Central Park, it was deserted. Nobody was there. That was in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. Everything just broke wide open in the 70s. And we were we were part of the first group that started with that. Yeah. And I think all that um, has allowed me to be physically active through the years, because that was, I've done 41 peach trees and so on through the years. Uh, we, I got involved with uh, Rolfing, went out to uh, San Francisco, and went out to Esalen and so on, and learned all these techniques about keeping in shape. Uh, tai Chi, did a lot of hiking, and actually making sure that you're always keeping your body erect and straight and so on because there's always a danger as you grow older of just letting everything go forward and even today i every minute that i have i'm doing exercises to make sure that my shoulders are back and my head is up straight and so on because if not um life can be miserable so i've been very fortunate to have some good instructors and have just done then some really interesting programs like that. Well, it's okay. um, you've been able to find experiences and you've been very open to locating experiences and making sure that you were experimenting with different things. And even at 93, you still look for new experiences. You agreed to do this podcast. And... <laughs> I'm always looking for something for something new. Yeah. And every day I get up, I think, well, uh, the blue is above and the green is below me, <laughs> so yeah. it's going to be it's going to be a good day. Yeah. But I think the uh, the fact of surrounding myself with people, mm-hmm. I get my juices going when I'm working with people. When I was working until I was 75. Um, I loved, I just loved what I was doing. And um, I was uh, uh, a liaison between all the designers in the world and manufacturers and people in the clothing business, et cetera. Did a lot of traveling and it was just very, very exciting. And I remember walking with a, um, a loop to my walk because I was feeling so good about what was happening. I was so fortunate. I had three daughters, married woman I loved, we married for 70 years, mm-hmm. you know, still counting, and three <laughs> daughters, and uh, I just felt that life was very, very good, and and being with people energized me. Mm-hmm. I, need, I need people to, you know, yeah. to and get involved with. Yeah, yeah, I think that um, the things that I'm hearing that really enable you to thrive are first and foremost, being very, very, saying yes to life, just mm-hmm. being very receptive to what life has to offer. And for you, an extrovert, um, you love what life has to offer in the way of community. And, you know, it, it isn't really a matter of people following in your footsteps and doing what you've done but rather to find their own path and say yes to it and really embrace it and really take it on and, mm-hmm. and be open and say yes to life. And, and um, it's very exciting to just have you share your story. 
And yeah, I just feel very, very fortunate and blessed. Another thing that I've been very fortunate is the fact that, um, you know, you have to be aware of what you put into your body also. And through years, I've always had this yin kind of diet. And this is really where um, I love fruits and nuts and all these very healthy things and so on. But then if I have a yen for something, I allow my body to enjoy it because my body's telling me I need that nourishment and I go with that. And if I feel like a steak, I have a steak. If I feel like dessert, I have it. But I think I'm able to balance my inner being that way by keeping this kind of diet. Yeah. Years. Well, again, I would go back to that's a good note to close on um, maybe life on a yin diet and find out what is it that you yin for and go look for it and uh-huh. go grab it. And um, so, uh, again, I really appreciate you sharing your um your journey with really following your yin. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I guess the yen is probably what what is out there. I have a yen for life, and if right. if I if I get excited about something, then I do it because I there should do it. Again. There you go. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time that you spent with me. Well, and thanks, Deborah. It's been my pleasure. Mine too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line.